it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. Week six is in the books. All conference games have happened over the weekend. All 12 teams. Uh, check us out at our podcast that you're listening to now, hopefully. If this is your first time, hit that subscribe button. Ah, subscribe button. Matt, as I try to talk today, to say, hey, get notifications of when our new shows come about or mwr.com as well. We get all of our written stuff as well there as well, too. So, so I mean, your weekend uh, could have been better, but it's all good, right? It was definitely a weekend with a lot to talk about. There is quite a bit. We had, this was like you mentioned months ago, offseason. This is the big weekend, narrative weekend, but not necessarily the, uh, Teams we thought we'd discuss it at the top for what happened. So okay, so before, before we start talking about week six in more detail, yes, yeah, we we sort of framed the conversation midweek last week about saying, you know, if you think we we I came out and said that if you think that you know what's going to happen, you're probably a liar. But yep. how did so how well like how well did how the weekend unfolded align with your expectations? It did not. Very well. Um, here's what, here's what I'll say here. Looking into, I, I still look at our predictions, but I'll get that later. So just a quick hit on, the, on these games. CSU Nevada didn't see that happen. Was all happy with the Rams winning. Did not see San Jose State blowing out UNLV. Definitely didn't see Utah State beating Air Force, even being competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, Fresno Boise, not surprised Boise won, but the disparity in the second half was more surprising in general. First half was kind of what I expected. From what, at least from going into the week, going back to the offseason, not even close. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I I know that there was at least a couple of the games that I predicted that didn't go the way that I thought that they would. Um, 
But at the same time, you know, I think a lot of what I expected to see from the weekend sort of did unfold. Yeah. So once we get to the games to kind of go through what, what surprised us and didn't, I guess, so we can kind of get into that with more detail. Yeah, let's uh, – let, okay, so pick your poison from the two Friday night games. Which one do you want to talk about first? The one that uh, nearly went to overtime and totally hit the under if you were smart people and listened to us. <laughs> CSU – referring to – yeah, I was going to say. You know, what other game I'm talking about? Did they both hit the under? I don't know. Did This is – I was more expected CSU-Nevada definitely not skip more than 40 points. What was it, like 36 and a half or something going into the game? It was something like that, yeah. 17-14, game-winning field goal for the Rams. This game – so Colorado State uh, – did not score an offensive touchdown in this game. <laughs> that is correct. I, I tuned in this game late because I you have you um you have, I've been debating about what pay TV service to get because I've been bouncing around with like Fubo, Hulu, Hulu, and YouTube TV. So I'm like, let me try YouTube TV because somebody told me there's a pretty cool feature on there. It's not an ad. I'm just saying it's a good option. You can go to any game if it's in progress or even after the fact. They'll give you key plays. Like they'll they'll give you highlights as the game goes on. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you missed the game. Here's 35 highlights that are like. 20 second clips. So not, not, not like a condensed game, but the big plays. So I tuned into that at halftime to catch up and I'm like, Oh, okay. There's a, there's a handful there, but they kept saying no, no, no offensive touchdowns for CSU. They ended up mm-hmm. winning with those two first quarter touchdowns. What was it? Interception and a fumble recovery. Yeah. yeah fumble and, six, and then one of the more inexplicable things that we've seen all year long. The fumble, the pass, the J- Jacob Murrow fumble. No, 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 the, no. The Devontae no. Lee trying to like oh. hand it off to somebody. So, oh, no, so I, I no, I, sorry, I think of something else. Yeah, it's what was he doing there? What do you think is, uh, what was the, pro- if you're in the mind of the Lee trying to make a play, what, what's his, uh, what are his processes in there? Well, it seems pretty to- clear he was trying to lateral. I just didn't know who he was trying to lateral to. That's my point. Did he see some miss, uh, I, I don't know what to say, but that <laughs> he was trying to make no a play. It's just awkward and weird. So obviously fourteen zero. Uh, we also should mention it was uh, Braden um, Fowler Nick Fowler Nicolosi, yeah, Nicolosi playing QB over Clay Millen. Two picks. Nevada could not take advantage of the two picks. Like Toa Tala was the best player, clear a couple touchdowns, but it's not like Nevada didn't have chances in this game. Clearly, TSU took advantage of their defense. Nevada clearly offense couldn't. Uh, couldn't sustain anything after those interceptions. Like the second half, holy crap, that was hard to watch. Punt, 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 fumble, punt. It was that second half. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of here. This game ended like right around midnight for me. I'm like, I think I turned it off when it was like, I'm like, it could yeah. go to overtime. And I'm not wasting overtime. <laughs> yeah, ironically enough, the blowout that we'll talk about in a few minutes ended ended a lot sooner than this game did. Because my what my watching habit was, I didn't watch these live. I'm like, oh, I see, I saw the game. I did a highlight thing on YouTube TV, which is pretty cool. So I caught up with that. I'm like, eh, I'm not really going to watch UNLV San Jose State when I saw what it was. I kind of watched some highlights in a little bit. I tuned to this game. I'm like, I was falling asleep watching literally in the second half. It was tied 14. I'm like, okay, maybe. And then I'm like, when I saw, like after that second punt, when it went back-to-back punts, I'm like, I'm not staying up till 1 a.m. to watch this and going to overtime mountain time. I'm like, I'm going to bed. And then I think as I'm going to sleep, I, I check my score app. I'm like, okay fine choice, whatever, to watch the field, the field goal goes in and they win. But this game, if I you mean, watch was, this game, it, dedicated, dedicated. So, so you know how you have, you know how, you know, long-time listeners of this podcast know that you are a fan of offense. 
Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas you know, I can appreciate a, you know a defensive struggle, mm. maybe perhaps a little bit more. This is really, this was really neither of those though. I, that's the, it yeah, was just exactly. it was just a game. It was a, it was an offensive slog between two underperforming offenses. Like neither Fowler Nicolosi nor Nate Cox completed more than fifty percent of their passes. Fowler Nicolosi was eleven of twenty two. As you mentioned, you know, two interceptions. Uh, you know, Cox was slightly under 50%, 244 yards in, in the interception. And, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, some reasonable and, you know, decent performances from from, from the running backs in this game, like Toatawa was, was mm-hmm. the one who scored twice for Nevada in this game, 86 yards at just three and a half yards per carry, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, and if it wasn't for Avery Morrow run, racking up 168 yards on 24 carries, CSU wouldn't have gone anywhere in this game. But, and, but then and even that score. was marred by the fact that he that he had a fumble in that game too. Yeah, he lost the fumble. It's it, it's just, so just it bad just football. Like, you know, and and you you know you want to give the deep both defenses a little credit at least for for coming up with the plays and maximizing those opportunities as, as best as they did, you know, like talks through a really poor pass and Iden Hector was there and to take it back to the house, you know, same thing with, you know, Fowler Nicolosi sort of throwing up a duck. And I think it was the one that uh, Bentley Sanders came down with for what is his, you know, conference leading fifth interception of the year. And, you know, both, both front sevens had guys who had really nice games. You know, Muhammad Kamara showed up again. You know, Drew Watts had a really good game for Nevada in, in that front seven. But it was just, yeah, there was a lot of, of ugliness on both sides. And I think maybe nothing expresses that more than, you know, so many flags oh, on both geez. sides. Yeah, Nevada had seven for had seven penalties for 65 yards. Colorado State had 14 for 136. Oh. There was, I think it was like, I want to say like late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, where their total yardage and their penalty yardage was really dangerously close to one another. <laughs> and and at a minimum, it, you know, I, I looked it up on sports reference after the fact. And at least since 2000, that was the most penalties the Rams have had in a single game in the I mean, last 22 bad. seasons. The 14 penalties, three turnovers, one for, if you were to play, I used to listen to, when it was Bill Connolly and Stephen Godfrey doing podcast, they played it. Nobody a couple years ago, however long it's been mm-hmm. now, they played was a box score bingo or something. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. If you listen to it, this game, there's no way in hell I think CSU would win this game if you give me these stats: one for eleven third down, 136 penalties, three turnovers, <laughs> minus one overall, 50 percent passing mm-hmm. rate, three and a half yards per pass. You'd be like, well, the other team didn't do that well, but at least they're good on third down. Didn't matter. <laughs> this is a defensive win, <laughs> and. It was, like in the second half, the longest possession was only nine plays. It ended up in being a uh, a punt, I believe it was, if I'm correct here. Yeah, the uh, or was it nine even nine plays? Sorry, my I can't see here. My eyes are terrible at the moment. Yeah, nine plays a punt for Nevada. It only went a minute fifty seven and thirty yards. Longest drive was a touchdown for Nevada, fifty yard uh, touchdown or five plays, yeah. fifty yards. Excuse me, but it was a who cares? It's a close game, but this was. Just bad football. It's like I, I get your point. Like, the, and it's accurately stated. Defensively, the two touchdowns for CSU were great. Great defensive plays. They got the ball. They did what they needed to do. Both running backs did reasonably well. Like, Nick still had a decent game catching the ball. Like Nevada had at least five plays over seventeen yards or more passing. So decent. Like when they caught the ball, they made some good plays. But mm-hmm. overall, this was like Tory Horton, who's been really good. 
had nine catches, but it didn't do all that much. It's you have a backup QB playing in there, and so that plays into it as well. But it's uh, Rams got their first one of the year, so good for them, I guess. That's all I got. Not pretty. Next game, um, hmm, we have San Jose State, who is clearly the best team in the conference. Is that, is that where everybody should stand? Is that the official opinion of the website here? Once I post the power rankings on like Tuesday or something. Uh, that was my opinion, at least. 40 to 7. Do we need to start talking about I, – I put on Twitter, I think the guys from Kelly – was it Kelly Ford, their stats? Like I'm, I'm like, let's start yeah. talking about 11 to 1 San Jose football team. It's funny, though, but before the before the game, I need to find the tweet. He They mentioned San Jose State had a better chance – this doesn't make sense. I just want to point it out. I think it was 12% to go 11 to 1 before the game. But as during the game was going on, I don't know how often they update, but it seemed like almost real time making kind of hit a hit that submit button and it goes. And they actually had a lesser chance to go eleven to one after the, as they're winning. But there is this team. I'm surprised UNLV didn't score more points because you mentioned as you have been all year the defense is what's going to win this game for San Jose State, like with Harmon and Fahoko and all or Hammond, excuse me, and Fahoko and all those guys are making plays all over the place. This is a team when they play like that, they could crush anybody. This was an equally dominant effort on both sides of the ball from Cordero to Hammond to everybody on defense making plays. And UNLV just, it doesn't help with Doug Barton from left the game. So that's a huge deal. And Cameron Farrell couldn't do all that much. But overall, this was running game came into play for both, both Cordero and Robinson. Robinson was fine. But this game was just a dominant performance. It's one of the best wins. I don't care it's UNLV. They've been playing well. This is one of the best wins they've had probably since you won the conference title a couple years ago. Yeah. And I, I think it was, it was sort of apparent very early on that at least on the offensive side of things, UNLV just did not look as crisp as we had seen them look in past weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, Brumfield before he was knocked out of that game was only one of six. You know, he completed his first pass and then, you know, ended up absorbing one sack, you know, five straight incompletions after that before he yeah. gave way to Friel. And you really look at those you know, first quarter drives in particular, where you know they they moved the ball a, t- a little bit on their first drive. They got a couple first downs before they had to punt it away. But then San Jose State got it. You know they they got it. They drove down for touchdown, twelve plays, seventy six yards. And then after a three now at themselves, the Spartan took you know took that you know, that third drive from their own twenty yard line, went twelve plays, eighty yards for a touchdown. So by that point. You know, they're already up 14 nothing, And it was really the those following two drives in the early second quarter that I would say more or less buried UNLV's chances. You know, because they they take over at their own 25-yard line, and then they have that killer fumble that San Jose State immediately takes for, for a touchdown. Um, and then after that, you know, they get the ball down to the San Jose State one-yard line, can't punch it in, turnover on downs. San Jose State turns that around, gets another field goal out of it, you know, before yeah. halftime. And that's more or less your game right there. Because at that point, they're up 24 to nothing. And, you know, Friel wasn't like, he. I don't know, he was, he, like, he didn't look overwhelmed, let's say. He was 15 of 22, 153 yards in the one touchdown. But they just did not look as sharp. And, and they didn't get as much, they didn't get as much help from the ground game as they had been accustomed to getting in recent weeks, too. You know, Aiden Robbins was held in check, 13 carries, only 55 yards. And I think that's a credit to the San Jose defense where, 
you know, their, their, their veteran stars were really the ones who led the way in this game. You know, Cade Hall, two TFLs and a sack. Trey Jenkins had a sack. Viliami Pahoko had a sack. Kyle Harmon, you know, tied for the team lead in sacks or excuse me, in, t- in total tackles. So I think that this was just, you know, the best overall performance that we have seen from this Spartans team to date. And so I don't think this is necessarily like, you know, uh, uh, doom and gloom or anything like that all of a sudden for the Rebels. No. You know, they just came out flat and then got outplayed by the Spartans. It's as simple as that. They had a bad game. But I would also say, you know, if you look at the schedule immediately in front of them, oh, you know, they, they're not going to have a lot of time to try and, you know, lick their wounds. They've got to regroup because they've got Air Force coming to Vegas next week. And that is, you know, a, de- a desperation game for both teams looking to try and stay in the hunt for the conference championship. Do we know the extent of Brunfield being out for more than a little bit? Or has there been an update on that? I don't think I've seen that. I have not seen anything as of yet. Because it always sounded like he was shaken up. That's kind of the last thing I saw about this game when he got pulled. Um, uh, as of four hours ago from uh, Paloma Viacana Box 5 in Vegas, um, he is day-to-day. With, okay. uh, and Marcus Rose quote, in, you know, the next 48 hours can be indicative of where we're going this week and getting the other guys prepared. So we'll know probably by the time we record our podcast for week seven. You know what that sounds like to me? Head injury. Possibly. I thought it was a leg right? injury. Oh, no. Um, oh, what did I say? Head? Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> excuse me. I can't speak. No, I, I don't know why I said that. I was thinking, like, like we said, wait, 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 no. You know, you're right. So who do they get air for? Is it a short week or is there, every game Saturday, right? Next weekend? Isn't that correct? I believe All they are, six? yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we should know. We're, if, if it's Saturday games, everything will probably know Wednesdays. Hopefully, let's see if, how secretive the coaches are for the, uh, you know, how they like to keep their secrets, everything mad about injuries and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I guess the big thing, like, um, I don't know if Brumfield being played the whole game, because he only played six, he only had six passes. Yeah. And then, he, and so I don't know if he'd have played the whole game, how much difference would have made, made this one. Probably not that much. I still think, I predict we both had San Jose State winning. And we were kind of surprised as like a touchdown line before going into it. But I think even if he played, like the running game didn't do well. Passing game, that would have been different receiving and catching on both ends. But, mm. or passing, I should say, not receiving catch. That's the same thing. I still think Spartans would have won, but this was their biggest effort. And Shavon Cordero running like he did. Holy crap, 100 plus yards with two touchdowns, that long way sidestepping mm-hmm. everybody. Is he also, I'm asking, I think this is a fair assessment. Is he, would you put Cordero as player of the year at the moment? Best team, playing quite well. Anybody else come close to him? I think what is for it? the moment he has probably surpassed uh, Brumfield. Yeah, Brumfield, and it, also anybody it's only from Air because Force. when you when you look at it in terms of like total offense, there's mm-hmm. really no contest right now. You know, among qualifying players, uh, and this is according to CFBStats.com, yeah. he's now twenty. He's now seventy yards ahead on a per game basis uh, of Brumfield, and and I think it's worth noting that on a per play basis, they're basically neck and neck with one another. Yeah, they are. But I think, you know, given sort of the ascendant play that the Spartans have had over the last few weeks, I think he probably is in the driver's seat for right now. How bad, like, how bad is Hawaii kicking themselves for losing guys like him and other people in the portal? No, it's not necessarily the Timmy Chink's fault at all, but it's like you got these guys transferring and doing well. It's, uh, it's a tough. So I'm trying to think of anybody else, maybe an Air Force guy, like maybe Brad Roberts, but that's about it. 
who would be maybe there's not a, there's not a lot of strong candidates and i think that's indicative of just you know we're starting to get some clarity on the conference title race but it still seems mostly wide open exactly Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, so next year, let's go to Saturday. Anything else you want to add to this matchup? Like, no, I think, Spartan, I think we're all set. Yeah, Spartans would be pretty good. So, okay, next year, what do you want to start Saturday since they'll basically start at the same time, which you get to pick. Let's talk. Okay, let's talk about Utah State. Oh, 34 boy. to 27 over Air Force. So, in this game, after watching Cooper Lagod play for a couple weeks, I want to, want to think, even though the coaches said this, Coach Anderson said this, I don't think Logan Bonner is other fully healthy from his ACL tear last in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Because if you look, I know Lugaw can run a bit more. Like he had some nice sidesteps and a little bit more mobile, but he was quite well. He came in five incompletions. He was accurate. He was finding like Brian Cobbs, who came over from Maryland. He finally had that huge, in a huge game, eight for one thirty six. Lugaw, like maybe Lugaw's a better player in general overall. Once it, if you look at numbers or whatnot, but I, I do think maybe Bonner wasn't as healthy because Lugaw. I know he runs more, but he seemed to be more equipped on the offense for what was going on. He's finding different players and just making big plays. So remember when we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago now about how I felt like you couldn't totally discount the Aggies in the conference title race? I didn't listen to you, and you're correct. Well, okay, so there's so they're one and one in conference play, so they've still got an uphill climb in front of them. Yeah, and four overall. But- but I think Lagos' performance, and I wrote about this in my in my winners and losers column this week. You know his performance, and and I think you know the performance of some of his particular peers is exactly what I was talking about. Because you know they they, they weren't quite the same kind of high flying explosive offense that they were last year. Nope. But Lagos took care of the football. You know, eighteen of twenty three. He did have yeah. one interception, but he did have two touchdowns, and was able to supplement that by adding another rushing touchdown on the ground plus 76 yards, which, you know, helped open up the ground game more than we'd seen it, you know, oftentimes to this point in the season where Calvin Taylor Jr. ended up with 109 yards on 19 carries as well, as well as his own rushing touchdown. And as you mentioned, Brian Cobb, who's, you know, he's, 
I would say he has played well throughout, given sort of the broader inconsistencies of this unit. Correct, but not this well. But but yeah, this was really kind of his showcase. In addition to in in, in addition to being like a showcase, eight catches, one hundred and thirty six yards, and a touchdown on eight targets. This you're right. This does not look like the same offense that we had seen in the first handful of weeks. It just it looks sharper. And while again, it still probably wasn't like a what I would say an A plus performance looks like. You know, they still had, you know, another, what, eight penalties for 65 yards. So that was still kind of sort of a problem. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they made plays on both sides of the ball. Like, we haven't even talked about the defense yet either. Yeah. Really stepping up. And, and yeah. And, you know, a Johnny Carter with the, both an interception and a forced fumble in this game. Just, you know, big time performances all the way around in a way and that we they, hadn't really seen from them uh, in, in prior weeks. And even the Air Force, they like run the ball. Like, the defense did well because it went off to win. Air Force, even with having big plays, like I was watching highlights earlier, I'm like, I forget, the one touchdown pass, the guy who was wide open, Amari Terry uh-huh. there. Like, who was guarding that guy? What's happening there? But outside of that, like the rushing attack, like they had big plays. That's It's always what you do in the player force. Don't give up those big, huge plays. They average almost five yards a carry. They only got mm-hmm. one TFL for Utah State. So Air Force still ran the ball, probably not to their peak, obviously, but pretty well with big plays. But Air Force was not able to get enough bigger plays. It goes back to Utah State credit defensively, just slowing them down, stopping them occasionally. And, yeah, Brad Roberts had 136, but we've been talking up John John Lee Eldridge. Trial had was fine with 52 yards. But most of it came on like one play, like a quarter of his rushing yards. So you just need to overall defense. And then you look at the turnover. Both teams had a couple of turnovers. And look who took advantage of the turnovers. Like when Utah State got, when, or sorry, I'm phrasing it more clearly, like an Air Force turned the ball over and stuff. They were driving, like they had the interception trying to, they're down at the end of the game when they had the interception in the fourth quarter. Like they're trying to make plays. And they were moving into Utah State territory, turnover, drive cut. Mm-hmm. Both a couple of those, like, the other one was it the was it a fumble they had too? I forget. I'm trying to find it here. In my box. Yeah, they had a they had a fourth quarter fumble followed by a fourth quarter interception. Both of yeah, which yeah, that's where they're ever in the play. Side of the field. That, that's what it was. For some reason, I thought the fumbles earlier. Yeah, both over there. The Utah State scored on that after the fumble. So that was the biggest thing in the game. That little cluster of plays there after on that fumble, like fumble touchdown, interception, and Utah State just punted. But then that field goal by Air Force was just or at the end, like, whatever, just do something, you know what I mean? Like, just to put points on the board, I guess, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's really 10-point victory, if you think about it, just because. But I don't know. The only thing that really changed Utah State, honestly, was a new quarterback. Did Did you see anything else that really would say this is another reason why they've uh, played better the past two weeks? I think the defense played more disciplined football. That helps too, yeah. You know, even if they, even if they plays, weren't like, yeah, even if they didn't generate a lot of havoc, you know, they they limited a lot of the damage and they were opportunistic in a way that they haven't always been from week to week. Yeah, that does helpful too. Like, only again, we're havoc, only one TFL and two. They did back bat down two passes, but so I'm looking at EF, FPI or ESPN. Would you? I wish I kept track of these every week. I thought I did, but I did not. What do you think Utah State's chances are to go to to be bowl eligible? They're two and four, and one what, one and one conference or one and one in conference, right? Yeah. So to get I would six guess wins, it's what probably do you think? somewhere around twenty percent right now. You're pretty good, twenty five percent to get to six wins. And if they play this well, like 
I'm not kidding. Like they're going to beat Colorado State next week. I'm assuming, right? On the road, they mm-hmm. go to Wyoming. Which, if they play like they did against Air Force and BYU, that's probably a toss-up game. In Mexico, I lean toward victory. Hawaii lean toward a victory. Then San Jose, San Jose, and Boise are really tough and lean non-victory right there. So there's a out of the games they play, they have I think at least three two wins that are I'd say gimmies almost. And then maybe to Mexico, probably to Mexico, maybe a wild week. Mm-hmm. This will be interesting to see yeah, if they I play mean, this well. See, I don't know. So, so what about Air Force? Conversely, because not not looking you, good. Yeah, and you know, and I, you you say that like, what did Utah State do differently? And I think one thing that is worth pointing out is like Air Force came into the game averaging what like six yards per carry at least, and so I think it is notable that the Aggies were able to hold them to 4.8 yards per carry. Yeah, it's a yard a and a half is plenty. And I think it is also worth noting that one thing that has kind of sort of betrayed the Falcons in both of their losses so far this year is that they're, they're, when they drop back to pass, they haven't gotten as much out of it as they probably should. You know, in the, in the four yeah. games that they've won to this point, and, and I didn't realize that the difference was this stark. You know, they've only completed 50% of their passes, which is, as, as you might expect, but they're averaging 16 yards per attempt in those four wins. Mm. In the two games that they've lost with, with Daniels under center, the, you know, the, the completion rate is roughly similar. It's 46.2, but that average drops to just 7.5. In losses? Hmm. Yeah. And so, like, on the aggregate, they haven't been quite as – like, Daniels hasn't been quite as explosive. Like, they're getting just a little bit less from that element of the game than they were getting last year. And that seems to be the kind of thing where it may not be, like, the most obvious factor in the loss. But then you look at it, and you look at Daniels' line, 5 of 12 with the interception and the touchdown. Like, you, you have to wonder, like, if he's a little bit more accurate does this game go the other way? Yeah, it's a, it's, just, it's it's a seven-point game, definitely. If he's 8 of 12, probably, because we know the big plays, like you mentioned, the victories there, that average was 16 yards. They're, they go, when they make plays, they make, make big plays. The one touchdown was the 40-yarder. The guy, so I don't know how Terry was that open, but in this game, they did average 19 yards per catch, but he had to include for attempt at 7.9, like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. It would have to make a difference. Two more completions in a one-possession game? Yeah, definitely. And I, I also wonder whether, you know, the, the the injuries that the Falcons have been dealing with, which, you know, that's something that's sort of common across the conference. So it's not like they're, like, an exception to prove the world or anything. But they're still playing without Dane Kinnaman. They're still playing without Kyle Patterson. They're still playing without, you know, a couple of, you know, defenders as well. And so you have to wonder how much of a factor that has played as well, that they, they don't have all of their personnel to be p- playing as well as they could. You know, those drop-offs at that key position, you know, like, you know, Kyle Patterns is, into, you know, it's not only a reliable pass catcher, he's an exceptional blocker as well. Yeah. So like without him, without that ability to attack the edges as, as, as frequently as they did last year, for sure, and as as effectively as Kenneman did in the first couple of games this year, like I feel like that's sort of impossible to ignore, and sort of and it's sort of in the long run limits what they can do. It, it you know it 
even if opponents have a hard time stopping the fullback dive, which, you know, we talked about Roberts earlier as an offensive player of the year candidate, he's still leading the, the conference in rushing. And so I think yeah. there's a very strong case for him to be able to make. But, you know, they have the fullback, they have the the, the, the tailback position with the third, who had a relatively quiet game, you know, 52 yards on nine carries. But they don't have as many wrinkles that they can rely upon as they did last year. And I'm starting to wonder whether that's sort of playing a factor in their inability to, you know, close games out. Because, you know, the one thing that they, they have in common with this with this game and the Wyoming loss a couple of weeks ago, I think they are now the only team in the conference with two losses by one score. Yeah. And it's also, I don't think Air Force overly played a bad game. They just weren't. No, they didn't. Because look at no, the Utah report. State just played a better game. Yeah, they did. And then looking at the yards per play, I'm look, uh, the Air Force, they're still 605. But yeah. you take, if you t- take away NIU, where they average almost 9.3 yards per play, and they probably about five. They're still good, but that game skews their numbers, like 600, almost 600 rushing yards. But mm-hmm. after that, they've been they've been hit or miss. They've been 6-2 versus Colorado, who's terrible, which is expected. Like under, under five. In between, it's either been over six or under five. They're big, a pretty big gap. They're four point eight versus Utah State, four two point two six versus Navy, but then Nevada got a bunch of us just over six. CU over six. So when they play against bad teams, they do well. And two hundred sixty four yards isn't bad for them. It's fine, but this game was just okay for Air Force. Like running game was. Yeah, I mean, let's. I think one yeah. of the one of the biggest things about this game where where Utah State was really able to pull it out in the end. Yeah, and this is courtesy of, of Parker Fleming at Stats of War on Twitter. If you go to his website, cfb-graphs.com, you, you, he has these simple box scores that he puts out after every week is wrapped up. And I think the most telling thing about this week and this game in particular is Utah State had the highest explosive play rate of any team in the conference this weekend, 18.1% which is just about double what Air Force was able to manage themselves on offense. Again, if we see, if we see more of that from Utah State, you know, that is going to be, you know, that's a lot closer to the team that I expected to see in September. And if they keep this up, they can be a factor down the stretch. Oh, they still will. I don't think it's an issue. I don't think that's anybody's concern. Is it? Do you think they're too upset about this and like they're out of it? No, I don't think they think they're out of it. It's forty two, which is unfortunate just for the conference. I mean, the, the, best case, the best case scenario is they, they keep winning and they put themselves on a collision course for that season finale against Boise State. Yeah, because that looking like well, the Utah State's in the mix, but Utah State's still one on one. So that could be a game that could mm-hmm. determine who represents because we're still doing divisions this one year, so it's still yeah. gonna be Mountain versus West. So all right, next game. What what, what do we got to next here? Is it uh uh, let's talk about Wyoming 27, New Mexico 14. So New Mexico made a big move, firing their offensive coordinator, which uh, we wrote about earlier today. So what does this I mean? Is it is it because they want to get better quarterback play? Because it's not like the QB. No, they need, they need better offensive play. Oh, <laughs> just offensive play in general? That's why they didn't fire just a quarterback coach? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, because it was really like the first quarter and then everything else where, you know, Wyoming just got off to a really sluggish start on both sides of the ball. You know, they fell behind 14 to nothing. New Mexico looked sharp again for the, the second straight week. 
I'm like, they got this, and then they don't. Yeah, they had a couple of really nice touchdown drives. You know, they they sort of mixed it up at quarterback a little bit. You know, they got a lot of production out of the ground game. That's, you know, 16 plays, 75 yards. T- it's taking s- over seven minutes off the clock to open the scoring. Like, that was probably the best drive that we've seen from the Lobos all season long. But then after that, you know, that's when they got bogged down, and they ended up with, you know, five three-and-outs on the game, which, you know, to the – you, to be fair, Wyoming also had five three and outs as well. But then you know they had a couple of opportunities where you know they missed field goals. Block excuse me, blocked field goal. Don't forget that. Not just missed. That's right. Yeah. And 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 Wyoming turned one of those into a touchdown in the second or excuse me, in the in the third quarter. Yep. But I think long story short, you know, in that first quarter, they racked up four hundred and or excuse me, one hundred and forty seven yards of total offense, averaged six Point seven yards per play. So it is probably telling that, you know, the rest of the way, you know, Wyoming outcame them. Oh, obviously, you know, yeah. For, they, for the evening, they ended up getting outgained on a per-play basis, 5.1 to 4.5. The offense basically vanished after those first two drives. And, you know, it, it's the same kind of struggles that we've seen from that New Mexico unit all season long. You know, Miles Kendrick, you know, he, he was okay. You know, 11 of 17, 107 yards, but he had that one interception. And and Very after well. a while, the novelty of that sort of quarterback rotation also wore off because they brought in Justin Holiday, only one of four, and then he also had an it, interception. Wait, Trey Hall side, dude. <laughs> yeah, and, and well. then even when it was all said and done, the ground game had a couple of nice drives. And then... You know, you look at it at the end of the game, and Wyoming ended up holding them to just over four yards carry. Yeah, offensively, Wyoming didn't do much. Defensively, they had a huge, like, huge game. Like, Easton Gibbs, all double-digit tackles. Rick Brown, double-digit tackles. They had eight TFLs. They knocked down four passes. A couple of technical QB hurries listed that pick six in there. So, like, this – Wyoming – like, New Mexico's defense held their own for the majority of this game. But they it was just about, a about again. They did about as well as you could be expected. Yeah. Again, if you play the bo- was look at the box no score help. here. Yeah, if you see the look at the box score here, what New Mexico give up? They were six to sixteen on third downs. They allowed. Uh, they not like three point three yards for for rush play. Like if you look at the per play stuff, the Mexico like well they should be in this game. So you get into pick six. Okay, that's seven points. There. You can't really t- that doesn't really show up in the box score that much when you look at it. Mm-hmm. And then just. Two or thirteen on third downs would probably really kill New Mexico here. The pick six and yeah, the well, ability, and, ability to convert and figuring and out the really quarterback running play didn't. You know they broke against them at a couple junctures too. Like the, the New Mexico also forced two more fumbles. You know they came into the game, I believe, leading the Mountain West in, in their ability to create fumbles. Problem was Wyoming recovered both of them. But then you, know, you look at the box score, and even though they only managed one sack of, of Andrew Peasley in this game, they did have five TFLs, four pass breakups, four quarterback hurries. So, yeah, there was there was a lot that that unit did right. You know, Cody Moon had a nice game, leading the team with total tackles, two TFLs. AJ Halsey improved; he had a couple of pass breakups. You know, stepping in for Tavian Combs. They just they they're not they did not get enough help on the other side of the ball and and that's why mm-hmm. you know you know when we record we're recording this Sunday evening earlier today they let Derek Wareheim go as offensive coordinator it just you know it had to be done because we talked about it coming into the week where 
know, in terms of points per drive, New Mexico was, you know, 125th in the country. And I would wager that once it's, once week six is included, that might go down a little bit. Um, it's just, you know, they, they had to make a move. The, the offense was just not getting it done. So what do you see either of these teams? Wow, I mean, they're sitting at four and three. The Mountain Division is going crazy now with Boise seemingly turning around, Air Force stumbling, Utah State on the rise. Is Wyoming still in the mix, you think? Clearly, you're going to say yes, but is it Air Force, Boise, Wyoming, and that's it right now? Because Mexico's kind of uh, poof with being 0-3 already. Wyoming is going to be a lot more dangerous if they can continue to get the performances like the one they got from their defensive line in particular. Yes. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And you know, because that was one of the things that over the last few weeks, you know, their, their pass rush had really sort of come and gone and been, you know, okay, but not great. But, you know, you mentioned that, you know, they had, they got a couple of, you know, major contributions from new faces, you know, Rook Brown, I believe started and played in place of Keontae Glinton at the nickelback position, but they also played this game without Cole Godbout at defensive tackle as well. And they didn't miss him at least for one day because, you know, they, they turned to Gavin Meyer, sophomore defensive tackle. He stepped up and he had two sacks. Braden Siders, defensive end, had two sacks. You know, Uluwaseyi uh, Olotosho uh, had a sack. Devon Harris had a sack. Like that, that's six sacks from a, from a very young and promising defensive line, which was not really something that we had seen a lot of. And maybe some of that has to do with, you know, New Mexico's ongoing offensive line issues, which I think also probably played a factor in, in Wareheim's dismissal, ultimately. But, you know, that, that unit showed out. And if they continue to do that, you know, we've seen them, you know, frustrate Boise in years past. We've seen them win games that on paper maybe they shouldn't have, uh, have won, and or at least at a minimum keep games close that should look at first glance like they would be more lopsided but i do think they need to they need to try and get more from 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 the passing game as too because peasley you know though he had two touchdowns still completed under 50 percent of his throws only 10 he's still yeah his overall he's trending backwards over the last couple weeks so he's he's back but uh why i I mean i I, I would say interesting that the pieces are there but they're, you know, same as pretty much every other team still in contention. There is still work to be done for the Cowboys. 
I would say at this point, I don't trust any team in the Mountain Division to win at the moment. Every team we, we talk about, I could say nope or yes, the top handful of teams. No one is consistently enough for me. Like, oh, yeah, I could see them being the front runner, front runner as most teams have played, what, two conference games at least. So mm-hmm. whoever it may be. But that leads us to our next game, Fresno State, Boise State. Uh, Matt, this Boise is where State I think, just... okay, I, think I would disagree with your statement that you just made. You, you think Boise State clearly is the head and shoulders at the moment, winning 40 to 20 against the Bulldogs? And, you, and do you want to know why? Yes. Go ahead. Because the defense never left. You're right. Defense never left. I would say the reason maybe not is that the – well, no, I can't – no, never mind. I, I'll, I give up. Man. No, I was going to say something dumb about the 17 points, which is a decent amount in the first half, but you're right. Uh, this game, 40 to 20. And you're right, the defense never left. The first half, it was iffy, back and forth. Fresno's basically blow for blow, essentially, because it was, uh, what, 17 to 20 at halftime. Boise stayed up. But mm-hmm. then the Boise State defense, obviously, as you mentioned, clamped down and went forced to field goal. Okay, they tied the game, but then a bunch of punts, intercept, like all sorts of things, interception led to field goal, things like that. And it's also, Fresno's still playing with the backup quarterback in Logan Fife. He did not play well. He had two interceptions, mm-hmm. bad. Rushing game, Bad longest run of the game, seven yards. I think that's bad too, Matt, for Fresno State's offense. It's uh not looking good for the Bulldogs here, moving the ball. No, it is not. <laughs> I think it is probably pretty clear that Fife's not the answer at quarterback now. You sure? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, I am. But, good. I, but but I do want to like they they did play a, a better than I expected first half. And maybe some of that has to do with, Agreed. I mean, I don't know, because they, they didn't really benefit from like a field position advantage or anything either. You know, they, you know, they, they took advantage of like the one opportunity that Boise State gave them early, which was that, you know, that tailing green interception. That was, you know, definitely sort of like a, a young quarterback Whoops. kind of mistake, you know, gave them a short field, you know, they punch it in from 11 yards out. Easy, right? Yeah, easy, totally. But then, you know, Fife throws his own interception. The Boise turns into points. And then after that, like, they did sort of settle in. But it also got to that point where, you know, they had those two drives, like, right at the, right at the end of the first half, right at the beginning of the second half. Mm-hmm. Again, red zone issues. Yeah. Two they goals, they right? had to settle for field goals. And then their offense got figured out. After that, they just basically went three and out the rest of the game, including interception. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. Yeah, right. Same thing happened against USC, against Oregon State. Like they need touchdowns, and can't you can't when they're when they're playing backup quarterbacks specifically. It's like, come on, get a touchdown. And again, yeah, Tepper, you, you know, okay, losing. but you know what? You know what the other thing is though. What is it? Uh, the Bulldogs' defense is bad. You're right. It's it's not and, good. And may may I mean, and some of that can probably be excused by the injuries that they're dealing with. You know, they, they got Gabriel Lightfoot, their defensive tackle back from injury. You know, Raymond Scott, I think was rumored to play, but I don't know if, I don't know if he actually did or not. I know he's been, you know, he's been injured. Uh, Evan Williams, of course, still sidelined, but that can't excuse giving up over 300 yards on the ground, man. No kidding. George Lani looked amazing out there. Sliding, dicing. That that entire ground game. Yeah. Looked amazing, especially after halftime. I think it was BJ Reigns that put it out there. Was it the first time in Boise State history that they've had two different running backs run for over 100 yards? I did not see that. That's reasonably surprising. 
ever. And I think, you know, if, if you're looking for, you know, wrinkles or maybe, you know, something to, to pick at if you're a Boise State fan, it's the fact that you know, for as good as Boise State was on offense, it could have been even better, odd as it is to say, for a 20-point victory. But they did have jo- Jonah Dalmas, you know, connect on on four different field goals from from within 33 yards. It was 24, yeah. 21, 33, and 24. So they had 50 eight, points easy. Yeah, they had you know eight red zone opportunities, and they got four touchdowns. Could have been a little bit better though. Yeah, I mean that, but that that's mostly nitpicking, you know. But I, yeah, like you know, the, Kevin Quill's defense has just not gotten it done. You know, they, they got bullied in that second half. And, and conversely, you know, that's where Boise State was really able to step up and, and sort of reassert themselves after getting pushed a little bit in the first half. You know, I think the, the one split that really sort of stands out to me is, you know, in the first half, Fresno State was seven of nine on third downs. Even though in terms of like total offense and even on a per play basis, they got outgained. By Boise State, you know, Fresno State only averaged four point six yards per play in the first half, but they moved the chains fairly effectively. But then Boise State was able to sort of buckle down, make adjustments, held Fresno State to one of six on third downs in the in the second half, and just two point three yards per play. And in that in that fourth quarter in particular, yeah, they did by that point Fresno State just basically had nothing to offer on either side of the ball. They did not. So I saw a bunch of this on Boise State side. Um, so Tim Plow was not a good offensive coordinator. Is that what we're getting at here? <laughs> For the past couple of games, they've been scoring points. I think whatever I think whatever whatever he was trying to do with I think with the passing game in particular just wasn't yes. working. Yeah, because I wonder if Hank Bachmar was like, dang it, should I have hung around? What's going on here? They're throwing the ball, they are doing different things passing. They brought in a little bit like kind of a few Kind of misdirect, more misdirection stuff, if I can tell, like a trick mm-hmm. play last week or something. But he, it's, I don't, it's, I'm not an offense coordinator. I'm not a, I don't know what's going on halftime out there for technically speaking, getting deep in there. But you're right, passing seems to be, even though Taylor Green was just 10 of 18, this, this game more or unlikely was the running game, obviously, with 300 plus yards. But they seem to be moving the ball. It took a minute for San Diego State, but this team are you so are you, this team's looking besides San, San Jose State like they're number two for me Broncos for the change yeah the I mean past it's, it's not the Broncos team that I thought I would see in the preseason but I think there's there's not a lot of doubt that they've definitely found sort of or maybe discovered a new offensive identity in particular and and really embraced it you know we we talked about how you know Utah State owned a, an explosive rate uh, explosive play rate that was double of what Air Force did a little bit ago um in this game Boise State's explosive play rate was about triple that of, of Fresno's you know 15.4 to 5.5 and then again this is according to Parker Fleming uh, and his website it was just it was just a very strong performance on both sides of the ball once they were able to sort of make those halftime just adjustments in particular. So, mm-hmm. you know, as, as rough as things looked for a while in September, you know, they seemed to have figured a lot of things out. And so, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, you know, maybe just because they're three and oh in conference play now, but I mean, they're, they're in the catbird seat and until further notice, like they've got the inside track to another conference championship. And then you, you look ahead and, you know, they, they 
you know, next week or not next week, but a couple weeks from now, they have buy next week in week seven, but that, you know, they get a road trip to air force. And I think that's going to be sort of their next big challenge. And then after that, you know, they wrap up the season with, you know, a trip to Wyoming and then at home versus Utah state. And the way, the way the mountain West has gone to this point, it seems like anything could happen with those teams between now and then. So it, it could just as easily be that, you know, the path opens up even further for the Broncos. Yeah. I'm looking at um, FPI. They give them the best chance when the conference at 47% over yeah. San Jose state 39. There, everything else is like, Three percent, three percent. There's nobody close. It's those two teams or nothing. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get to the next game. Is it? Do we have to discuss why San Diego State? Is that where we're at now? That is our last game. So yeah, no, no. I think we are. I said, do we have to talk about it? No. Okay. Yes, we do. <laughs> Sixteen to fourteen, Aztecs uh, squeak one out over the Warriors. Uh, again, a few points. Matt, I told you, I was almost right in saying San Diego. No, I was right. I said San Diego State wouldn't score as many points as it was to cover at 22. So, yeah, I should have stuck with my instinct, man. I don't know why I didn't. Not many points. 16 to 14. Under, obviously, under in Hawaii. We, I don't think Hawaii is going by three touch, lose by three TDs, but I do. Most interesting thing about this game, I think I totally should look this up. Maybe you did on Sports Reference or something, but. Quarterback turned safety, now safety. Jalen Maiden is the quarterback of the future for San, for San Diego mm-hmm. State. At a minimum, yards. he's probably the quarterback of the present. Has to be. And then I heard, I heard during the broadcast, like, well, I, I don't know if it was a sideline thing because I, watch, I was watching a condensed version for this because I didn't want to watch the whole thing and waste time. Even skipping through commercials only, I'm like, no. Said something about, was it said that Burmeister still might be in the plans next week? Oh, God, I hope not. I, I don't know if it's yeah, I don't know if it's just him speculating or something on the sideline, but he would 24-36. Also, what's watching when I did this game, like, you throw for that many yards and you'll only win by two points, and Tyrell Shavers, not Jesse Matthews, had the best game of the day receiving. Looking at, again, if we're playing the box score fun game, like, what the heck, Aztec score, throw for 300-plus yards? You figured they would have had at least, like, your initial projection what the game was. They just uh, kind of sputtered out and stalled. Yeah, and, they didn't. They didn't finish drives, which was part of the problem. Yeah, they had a couple you know, field because goals, three and, field and it, goals, and it did take them a little while to get there too. Like you know, they yep. they had first a couple quarter. of nice drives yeah. in the in the first couple of quarters. You know, six plays, nine plays, nine plays. But then you know, right before halftime, you know, they they moved the ball from their own thirty six to the Hawaii twenty eight. So they do get they they got some points before halftime. So that was probably a little more excusable. But then it was just like it was sort of a scuffle just trying to watch them finish drives after that. You know, they had the one touchdown drive coming out of halftime, which was yeah. you know, really big for them. But then, you know, they turned three straight trips inside the Hawaii 15-yard line. They got to the 13, the 14, and the 9. They got six points out of it. Just so it, enough. Yeah. It uh, could have – yeah, you're just 16 to 14, and then – this and look at Hawaii. Like Hawaii had the touchdown. Oh no! Before that, the missed field goal. It's like I'm like the one before they get the game. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man, this game is over. Then figured, okay, Aztecs defense is up to this point, giving up very few points. Only the one touchdown early in the second half, and then they go down and do a solid drive for Warriors seven for eighty touchdown. And it was the um the, the big Dedrick Parsons run where he hammered his way through there for that twenty two yarder to put him up by one. But then. 
the defense failed them. But overall, yeah. Kawhi, again, like looking at them, like Brandon Schrager, his completion rate's fine, but he wasn't fine. Like he wasn't going downfield at all, really. They, they, sorry, they had the one big play. I should mention a sixty-six yard of the Zion Bowens there, but outside of parts, Parsons' big run, he had about but seventy yards total that long. It's like running game wasn't great, but the defense give them credit for slowing down. Like you mentioned, holding the field goals, the inexperienced quarterback does that for you for San Diego State. But Hawaii's defense gets some credit, especially when they stopped any sort of running game that Aztecs wanted to try. They didn't even average three yards of carry, and they had what six TFLs. Yes, they did. Sacks. So yeah, they give them a bunch of credit for keeping this close as it was and making the drive when you're down to try to win the game and they moved the ball efficiently and Parsons bang, got it in there for that. Again, an 80-play drive that was seven plays. I think it's also to... pretty clear that they missed Zion Bowens too. Oh, yeah, he looks pretty he looks pretty good. Like I said, he had 100 back, yards. Back from injury, and your team high 11 targets, nine catches, 108 yards, and, and one Jeez. touchdown. That's why, you know, and we had this conversation when we did the team preview over the summer. This is why I thought Zion Bowens was sort of a, a sort of a, I mean, a, maybe a sneaky breakout candidate isn't, isn't the, isn't the right term for it. But I think, I think we both sort of agreed that he would be a, sort of a lead figure in that passing game. Lo and behold, I think you've got something that you can look forward to for the rest of the year, provided you knock on wood, he can stay healthy. Yeah. So what I think, do we you think know, for- between between him, between Dedrick Parson and, and Shager sort of slowly finding his footing over the last couple of weeks, I think you know Hawaii is sort of building on something. Like there's still there still may be a long way to go, but I think it is also telling that you know when when Bill Connolly put out the, the latest SP plus rankings, it's it's worth noting, I think, that San Diego State had one of the worst win expectancies of the entire weekend. Of, of a team that actually won its game. You know, you throw all these numbers in there and, and just sort of independent of the results. And the Aztecs would have been expected to win 39% of the time, 39.6 to be exact. Hmm. So things could have very easily gone the other way for the Warriors. And I think that that's something that they can hang on to, you know, moving forward in the second half of the year. Definitely does. But yeah, like give them lots of credit. They, they're, they're slowly figuring out and, I like the again, I like the rush events quite well. But if we go to San Diego State, like what are we? Like, all these teams are just the conference is weird this year. Like this is a two point win where I know they back up quarterback, but this, we already mentioned should have been close. Is Maiden really going to be the guy? If not, he better be. They go to Nevada in two weeks, so that's probably a winnable. And if they stick with with QB with Matt, Matt Maiden there, or Matt, sorry, and keep him there, it's two weeks of prep and everything to get ready before. Fresno State, which clearly looks meh. Maybe Hainer will be back by Halloween. I don't know. UNLV will be a tough test. You got San Jose State and New Mexico Air Force. So there's some landmines into the way. Like they can, depending on what they do at quarterback, might be the big difference. Do they keep who they had in there? It's like, why, why go back to Burmeister? There's no point in reason to go back to him. They have an athletic guy back there who could be in a, he was playing safety before, man. So he's obviously can run and you're a fast guy playing safety clearly throws better the new OC it would get Jeff Horton to, which is weird he got elevated from RB coach to be the interim OC and his offense is doing well in the passing game better not just because the RB coach but they weren't passing before give them a couple more weeks to get ready and if if the defense holds up they only give up four, they only give up 14 points to win 
So I think once the offense figures out the red zone stuff, they'll be back in business. I think it may be an above, well, I, I, I dare to say above average offense in the conference. Uh, I'm a little hesitant. That's why I said, I know. Or is it the one game factor we talk about where guys come in for one big game, first time start, play well, then they suck the rest of the way or, or nowhere near that first performance. Maybe there's that issue at play too. Yeah. I mean, I think it helps that, you know, the, the schedule coming out of the buy in a couple of weeks is suddenly looking a lot more manageable than it might have before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, maybe for maybe for us, it gets Jake here back by the 29th of October, but at, at minimum, you might think that they will probably be favored against the Wolf Pack in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We'll so I think that, they they have the change, luxury right? of they have the luxury of, of being able to continue leaning on their defense at least. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I'm buying all the way in off of, oh, yeah. off of one game against a Hawaii team that you know as as much as I want to believe in them, they're probably going to continue scuffling quite a bit down the stretch. All right, anything that else to talk about about this weekend? All 16, six games. I believe we're conference. all set. All right, we'll be back next week. Looking at the schedule really quick. Are we uh, also, I'm going to spring this on you. Is it midseason next week already? Uh, I guess it tech- depends on which team you root for, because I think all but one or two teams <laughs> have now played uh, six games. Okay, There's sitting, only uh, three teams that haven't. San Jose State's played five, so is Fresno State and Colorado State. Okay, so maybe next week after recap, maybe we need to do some mid-season type stuff. We did our we actually mostly you did our September players of the month, the first month of the season. So maybe we'll have something with that because there's a lot of uh, surprises that happened in the conference. Who would have thought? Like, it's funny if you see Boise State four and two, it's like oh, it's probably okay. Nobody thought them four and two after a couple of weeks. Obviously, San Jose State, UNLV, um, Fresno injury wise, but this is not what we thought we'd see at the beginning of the year. So we'll probably discuss that in a week and a half, but. If you made it this far, appreciate it. Go to mwr.com to read all of our stuff. Awesome stuff. Subscribe here if you haven't. And tell a couple of friends, man. That's all I want, right? Just uh, say, hey, this might be pretty good, I think. Give us a glow. Tell a few. Them. A few is more than a couple. Okay, yeah, sure. A few is at least three or more, right? Is that the technical term? There you go. If, if you're feeling uh, particularly chatty, you can tell several friends because that's more than a few. Several. Excellent. That's what we want here. So check us out next time. We'll be back midweek in a couple days to preview, uh, I guess, midseason, Matt, because we're just about out there.